1: Brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Can a human being really be broken? I mean, how can we be broken when all our parts seem to be together? Sometimes it's hard to look at someone and see it, but there are many people who are walking around who don't have it as together as we might think. But sometimes we can find true beauty in even the broken things. Today on my podcast, my friend Michelle and I are going to discuss making broken pieces beautiful. Michelle, welcome to the podcast today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I appreciate that.
1: Well, I appreciate you being here and telling your story today. Now, the title of today's podcast, today's episode is Making Broken Pieces Beautiful. What significance does that have to you in your life?
0: The significance of that is it came from a blog post that I put on um, that I wrote, and it was about making the broken pieces of having a learning disability beautiful in my life.
1: Well, a lot of people out there are walking around with different learning disabilities, and I really think that they can benefit by listening to the podcast. And I hope if you are listening right now and if you know someone who has a disability like that, if you would share this episode, because I really think that this is an important message to get out there, especially while we try to spread positive content into the world. So Michelle, I would love to hear you share your story with us and how you came about learning about finding that beauty and making those broken pieces beautiful.
0: I was uh, first diagnosed with a learning disability when I was a young child. I was in kindergarten at the time. I had a preschool teacher who thought something was off, but uh, I was my parents' first child. So they really didn't have a whole lot to base uh, normal development on. I can remember I struggled academically with uh, counting, uh, tying my shoes. I even struggled with doing dot to dot pages as well.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Like like the connect the dots that we all played as a kid. Wow!
0: They would give me a worksheet and I would think, oh, I'm, I'm doing a great job with this. And I got it back and I didn't connect them in the right places. And they thought something was definitely off um, okay. with that. So I was evaluated for having a learning disability. And sure enough, they, they figured out I had one. Um, my disability is based in math. And what they would refer to as dyscalculia or dis- dyscalculia. But they didn't refer to it at that back in that time period. It was just the umbrella term. You have a learning disability. And I had to repeat kindergarten the following year in a new school in our district. And oh, wait a I mean, minute.
1: Wait, I stopped you there. Repeat kindergarten. Boy, yeah. I bet that must have been something that was pretty traumatic in your life.
0: Oh, definitely it was. I mean, I especially in a new school. I mean, that was really something that was difficult. And that's something that I had a fear of going throughout school. I never had to repeat another grade, but it was always in the back of my head that that could happen. And that was really, um, that that was difficult. And in the new school, I had specialty instruction where they worked really hard to trying to, like we would do reading, even though I was a good reader, I I didn't quite comprehend what um, the information. So we worked on that. Uh, We tried working on eye hand coordination skills and handwriting, and we uh, attempted to uh, learn how to do math. (laughs) Eventually using a lot of the supports did help. I was able to be in uh, regular ed classes with uh, my peers that, that were regular ed, with science and social studies and reading. And eventually I was able to be in all regular ed classes with having supports and some of those supports were having the test read aloud to me and also being having the extra time to take the test. The only classes that were learning support were having math. We never quite got <laughs> that never quite worked out and uh, resource. That was a big one too. So I could go and um, I would get the support that I needed.
1: One of the things that I find today is we are a lot better Um, Than we used to be at providing support for uh, people with some learning disabilities, no matter what those things Mm -hmm. may be in the schools. There is different programs. Uh, I I believe they're called like 504 or something to that effect. And there are different. Title 20, I think, is one of them.
0: Right. They have um, individual education plans and that's for students to fall into one of our 13 disability categories. And then a 504 plan is for a student that might have uh, a condition that's not a disability, but you still have to have what to do in a situation. Um, You might have a student that might have diabetes or they might have asthma or concussion. And we just need to know, well, they may not have goals, but what do we do if that situation happens? And
1: So your disability was focused a lot on your ability to do math? was that a, yes. a big part of it
0: that was a big part of it math has always been the the, the main part that was always we we tried to, unsuccessfully to memorize all the multiplication tables and uh fast facts like for uh, addition and subtraction and that didn't work i'm also not able to read a clock so an analog clock i can do oh, a digital okay. one yeah, yeah. The,
1: like the old like the Big hand and the little hand, you know, the yeah. big hand is on the four. And the, yeah, that I remember. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. clocks that we learned to read when when I was growing up. And Digital mm-hmm. clocks kind of came in later. And now I think fortunately, I guess for you, everything is pretty much digital most of the time.
0: Right, exactly. And I also have my Fitbit that I'm able to tell or, a di- or another digital watch and everything in our house is, is pretty much digital. I mean, we have occasional things that are analog, but uh, mostly it's all digital and that helps tremendously. I have trouble with how numbers work, but it goes beyond just being bad at math. I'll confuse my left from my right, and that also goes in with the eye-hand coordination. So that's that interesting. Can be really, uh huh. No,
1: no <laughs> I, that's funny because I sometimes I'm ambidextrous, which basically means okay. I, I write with either I, I can. Well, uh-huh. I learned to write with my right hand because that's what when I was growing up, we they, that's what they told us. You write with your right, right. hand if it was left-handed would have been more comfortable, but I tend to play uh like instruments. I play my guitar like left-handed. You know, and, okay. Uh, so, yeah. and, and I can uh, eat with either hand, which is convenient when you're at a restaurant, depending on when some, which side someone is sitting next to you, I can just right. eat with the other <laughs> fork. So I've been kind of ambidextrous, but getting to what you were saying before about left and right sometimes Someone will tell me, yeah, it's on your right. And I'll all of a sudden be pointing to the left. (laughs) Why why am I doing that? Yeah,
0: that happens. I have to pull my hands out in front of me or really think about that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that was an issue that, yeah, that has always been a problem. Handwriting, like I I also have um, dexterity, limited hand dexterity in both of my hands, which we didn't find out until I was older. But when I was a little kid, we just assumed that it was because of the learning disability because you can't read my handwriting. Um, I was very happy, and so were my teachers when I learned how to type, and that became more of a, a method that we used. Yeah, yeah. We
1: live in a wonderful society now because we pretty much type everything, uh, as exactly. Far as internet, so that is fortunate.
0: Yeah. And we don't use cursive like the, like they told us we were always going to need that. We we don't use a lot of that. But yes, when I learned how to type, that was a huge thing because they weren't trying to figure out, okay, what letter are you making? What are you trying to say? It was very um, easy for everybody. So, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah. Well, sometimes uh, having bad handwriting could be a good thing because you could have grown up to be a doctor. Yeah, oh, <laughs> if you've ever seen their prescription and their handwriting? I remember the old oh, days. Oh yeah, they, they they don't were... have good ones.
0: They don't yeah. have premium writing, right? Yeah,
1: like... I my penmanship has never been that great either. So mm-hmm. uh, again, now you're in the earlier grades in school, and right. they're starting to discover all of these things. So how did that affect your relationship with your teachers? your uh, parents, and probably more importantly, your peers?
0: It was difficult for my parents at first because uh, they didn't have a whole lot to base that on. And my my dad's really good at math. So he had a hard time understanding, well, we know one plus one is going to be two. So why, and they explained your daughter is never going to fully understand how numbers work. So that was a little hard for them but they went ahead with the school's recommendations and they never gave up on me. They were the ones that we had lots of cheerful homework sessions. It, it, it could be frustrating that I would try to study and uh, it just seemed like I wasn't getting the information and I wasn't passing the test and I was doing everything, but my parents didn't give up. They just wanted me to try really hard. I was always the expectation. And they also explained my learning disability to me. They just said, you are smart. You're, your brain just learned. You just learn differently. My teachers, I had some really good ones uh, that explained things to me and were compassionate and understood. And I had ones that really, I don't think, got it a whole a whole lot that I was trying. That was hard, especially in the younger grades. I had a teacher... That put a W on my report card indicating weakness for handwriting. A lot of them just didn't think that I was trying and didn't quite understand that. Yes, I I had some difficulties, but there were things I could do. My relationship with my peers was really complicated. Uh, I was an only child for a very long time, so I didn't really know how to relate to kids. I knew how to relate better to adults. I was used to adult conversation so that that already was made it hard, and then having the disability made me stand out, and it wasn't in a good way. And mm. our school district was very small and close knit. If you belonged, and I really wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I was one of them throughout all those years, and I couldn't hide. I I wasn't able to hide the fact everyone knew I went to learning support. Everybody knew that that's where I got uh, had my test read to me, and my peers didn't regard me as smart or things like that. And it was difficult even learning support because most of the peers that I was in with, they had reading difficulties. So they didn't think I was smart because here I, I was struggling with math and they, they couldn't read very well. And then the regular and peers didn't um, view me as smart either. They didn't want me in with the learning support one. So those years were really difficult academically school got a lot easier socially it got a lot harder
1: yeah that's kind of the fork in the road there well I like Mm -hmm. two things that you mentioned one that your parents and people around you they they wouldn't give up on you they gave you the support and that is so important today when you have somebody in your life who has this type of disability because it's not something that you can see on the outside it's not like you're walking around you know in a wheelchair it's not like You look Mm -hmm. different. You look like just the average person. We look like everybody else. But when you have a learning disability, it's something that you can't see, which is kind of what I was alluding to in my introduction. But the other thing that we were calling this is is being broken or having broken pieces. Well, I actually like what you said before in in that you just learned differently. You were told, Mm -hmm. I just I'm not really broken. It's not really that that something is wrong, because when you say broken, you think something is wrong. But It's not that, it's just that you just learn differently. And when you look at it that way, that will go a long way to really encourage someone so they won't feel that there's something wrong with them because it's not that there's something wrong. It's just, again, that you do things a little bit differently. You learn things a little bit differently. And I think that's really important. I also totally understand because school was starting to get easier for you because you were getting a lot of the support and you were doing things and you were working hard. But the relationship with the peers and Now, when you get into that middle school age, those uh, those years can be very difficult and very brutal for kids because, let's face it, kids can be very, very brutal to their peers during that time. And I think it's because it's that hierarchy. It's kind of like that. uh, Mm -hmm. What do they call dog eat dog world? Yeah. So that (laughs) must have been a difficult time. How did you navigate through that? And is there anything? That you could give as advice to someone who either has a child going through it or maybe is listening and is going through that themselves.
0: Sure. One of the things that really helped me was going on strengths that I knew. Like I knew maybe I wasn't great at math or sports or things like that. But I I always loved to read and I always loved to write. And when I finally started to do things like that, I can remember my dad said read one of my stories, and they said, Wow, this is really good. And That that built my confidence because that's something I like to do. And another thing was I was able to uh, find a group that was outside of uh, my school in a neighboring town. And it was an art group uh, of teenagers. And I was able to hang out with them and they shared a lot of the same interests. And I didn't have that reputation that followed me for all those years that I, I just couldn't shed whenever I was in my school. So that was really helpful for me. I would say to parents or people that are going through it to find the things that their child is good at or that they're good at and to find people preferably um maybe outside of your school district if if possible look for good community groups and and get involved with that because you're you're able to almost be like a new person.
1: Now as a life coach myself and Mm -hmm. a success strategist one of the things that i always recommend and Mm -hmm. this is to everyone is to work on your strengths yep focus on the things that you're really good at and get really really good at get better get great at those things and you know what we're taught, I think one of the biggest lies that we're taught is work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. Well, why? Because in real life, we can find other people that can help us with those weaknesses. We can find someone else to do that. You know, if I'm not good at plumbing, let's just say, Mm -hmm. well, if I have a plumbing problem in my house, I'm not going to fix it. I'm I mean, I could go on YouTube University and learn how to do this thing, but it's going to take several hours to do that. Now, maybe I'll want to do that for fun, but for the most part, if I want to get someone who knows what they're doing, I'm just going to call the plumber and have the plumber come and take care of that. And I can go out and I can do things that I'm good at, earn more money doing those Mm -hmm. things, be able to pay the plumber and still have money left over. So really in real life, if we work on our weaknesses and get great at those things, the other thing that will happen is it'll really improve our self-esteem. We'll feel better about ourselves because we're focusing, it'll build our confidence. ADHD or ADD is really Mm -hmm. the big learning disability now that they talk about in schools and a a lot of the school's, are trying to medicate you know because they're trying to get the little boys to pay attention Mm -hmm. because they're doing compound fractures on the board and the boys (laughs) want to look outside to watch the other boys playing baseball i don't know about you but i think i'd watch the baseball game too but regardless (laughs) if you start teaching these these kids instead of those things that they're weak at and help them to excel at their strengths their confidence level will go up and eventually they'll be able to get by and learn some of those things so it sounds like that's the strategy that you were doing way back when you were in school and that really helped you to get through those tough years
0: oh definitely because i had something that i was good at and something that i did enjoy doing and that really uh, that was my creative outlet to help me through that, and some of th- that gave me the confidence even to reach out to other community groups with writing and other things to be able to reach out and um, be able to do that. I always figure if you go for something that you're good at, you're you're going to have a better chance of success. But and why set myself up for failure? And that became an even bigger thing whenever we were trying to figure out what I was going to do once I was done with school too.
1: Let's talk a little bit about high school then, because those years can be very difficult. And then having to make that decision of, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up and move in from high school to Mm -hmm. moving on to what happens after that?
0: Yeah, that was really difficult because I knew I always wanted to go to college, but I knew uh, math was going to be an area that I was going to struggle with. And I was also doing really well with all the supports in high school in place. So I can remember I had a learning support teacher who told me, well, you can't do college because of your math. She suggested a trade school, which is wonderful. If you have an interest in doing those things, I think that's a great option, but there's nothing there that interested me. And I can still remember I also had a teacher that was a student teacher. And she told me, you can go to college because you know how to study. And I was like, but I have this disability. And she said, there are students that have disabilities to go to college. And and just hearing that was just like, I, I was just amazed. We decided I was going uh community college. I got involved with the um, Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. And they recommended a community college to start out with. Number one, because I didn't have SAT scores. We didn't take the test. We just thought that with my academic skills, that was just not going to really represent me. And they said, well, a lot of places look at how well you do at a community college. And I can remember I had to get tested again for having a learning disability. With that, I can remember I'm a terrible test taker. That is part of the disability, too. And the psychiatrist put on my evaluation that most likely wouldn't go beyond a community college. And that was really heartbreaking when I heard that because I didn't, I mean, I was already scared going into school and just hearing that wasn't the most encouraging thing. And when I got there, uh, there was still a stigma about people with disabilities and accommodations. I can remember Pierce thinking it was an unfair advantage and I was gonna be boxed into this category. And I can remember a professor who told me that my job choices will be limited because of my disability. I didn't use the the services right away. And that wasn't a very uh, smart move on my part academically. I I was struggling and my grades just weren't, weren't where they were at. And everybody was telling me, well, you need to get your act together or you could do better. You could try harder. And I was trying as hard as I could, but there, there's just, if I don't use the services, it's just very hard for me to be successful. I can remember I had a professor, I was in her class and I was really struggling. And she said, why don't we at least get you extended test time? And I was able to get through our class. I didn't do well, but I got through the class and I was able to uh, graduate with my associate's degree in early childhood education. And I moved out on my own. I was able to work in a couple of different centers but I always wanted more for myself. Finally, <laughs> I had to move back in with my parents because of the financial reasons and my job was downsizing. And I thought this is the time to try to go back to school. And I found a program at our local university that involved the least amount of math and science that I and I was interested in it. And when I went there, I uh, got the accommodations that I needed and I used them all throughout school. We used the extended test time. I had a note taker and most importantly, I advocated for myself. I was able to say that, that I have a learning disability and these are the services that I'm going to need. Uh, A great majority of my professors were helpful, wanted to know more and how they could support me. And I had a few that didn't quite get it, but I was able to be able to go through their class. And
1: yeah, there's always a few of those out there.
0: Oh yeah, there's always one, <laughs> but I was able to get through and use the the services to be able to get through the class, and my using those really helped. My grades improved. I made dean's list for one semester, and then I was able to graduate with a bachelor's degree. And that was what I was told most likely wouldn't happen. And I was able to do that, so that was really amazing to, to be yeah, able to do that. That's a big.
1: That. That's a victory for sure.
0: Yeah, And I like
1: how you advocated for yourself, because I think if anyone out there listening, uh, who's going through similar things or knows people in their life, that is the key, really, you have to be able to advocate for yourself, you know, you have to be able to stand up and say, hey, you know, I need these additional modifications. It's right here in writing. It's in this Mm -hmm. program. And if you don't ask, you're not going to get. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing that you didn't do is Mm -hmm. you had all these other people around in your life, and we always have these people in our life, right, who Mm -hmm. are telling us what we can and can't do. Oh, you'll never be able to graduate Mm -hmm. from anything more than a community college, or you'll never be able to do this, or you'll never be able to go to college. What made those people the experts on our lives, you know? And I think right. we give too many people too much more credit to control our lives. It's up to us to stand up. And anyone can learn from this, really, whether you have a learning disability or not. Stand up for yourself. Take control of your own lives. Take action. Don't let those people speak those words to you that put you down. Listen to the words that lift you up. And I think that's how we'll go a long way so I, I love the fact that uh, that you were able to overcome all of that.
0: Yes, definitely. It was taking a lot of those the negatives of that had with having a disability, all that those broken things, and just being able to make that beautiful and build it back up again. And that's that's been a, a definite process for me.
1: Were there any specific things? in having the learning disabilities that you had that were actually more of an advantage for you? Because sometimes I find that we can find a lot of advantages in things that most people will consider a disadvantage.
0: Right. One of the biggest advantages of having a learning disability, I I discovered later, is I can bring out details that other people can't through photography. I I can remember being frustrated when I was really young because of the limited hand dexterity that people would say oh yeah you have a learning disability you must be great at visual arts and I would try to draw something and it just wouldn't come out the way I wanted it to and I thought well what is wrong with me where is that talent and one of the things I'm able to do is um, I can take pictures of flowers um, and other interesting things that I'm able to find primarily because I'm not able to drive so My husband will take me where I need to go or somebody else will. And of course they got to focus on the road. And I'll be able to I'll see something. I'm like, oh, that's really neat. And later on, if I'm on a walk to go where I need to to go, I I can find that flower or that picture or that unique thing. And I can take that that picture of that and bring out details that maybe other people will miss. So that's been an advantage.
1: That's a huge advantage. I I really (laughs) like how you found that because most of the time when we hear people telling us what's wrong with us right Mm -hmm. stop saying what's wrong with someone start saying what's right you know and I always say that it's like no there's nothing wrong with us let's look and let's focus on what's right Right. with us and that's exactly what you were able to do and you found this uh this photography this niche that you had and this skill and talent really in photography that you might not have found if you had worked on other things. If you if you had taken hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours trying to learn how to drive a car, let's just say, that would have been wasted time, again, working okay. on a weakness when your strength was really in something else, in visual arts like photography.
0: Yeah, exactly. Another area that, that I find a strength is I work as students with a, as a teacher's aide. And a lot of my students have learning disabilities. Some of them have other disabilities. And being able to work with them gives me that empathy because I've sat, I've been in the position that they've been at. And that's not something I, I don't think I would have if I didn't experience that myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to experience uh, some of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and you're able to help others too. And I think that's another area in our life where sometimes we're given, mm-hmm. we're dealt the hand that we're dealt so that we can in turn learn and then be able to help others who are coming up behind us. And in doing things like sharing this on this podcast, we're really helping people out there that are going through a lot of the same things or that know people going through the same things. So uh, is there any other advice that you would give to someone who has a family member who is going through this, who has a similar disability as yours?
0: My advice to someone that has a family member is, is to listen to them and to offer the support uh, that they're going in and to believe them. Because a lot of times it's easy for people who maybe don't know <laughs> the, the person or may, might look at them and say, oh, they look so normal. Why can't they do this? And, and, and to really believe that these things are out there and, and, and just be supportive of them as they go through their uh, journey.
1: Be supportive of them as they go through mm-hmm. their journey. I could not have said that any better. What about someone out there who has been in your shoes now or is going through what you what you went through? What would you tell them?
0: I would tell a person that's going through something that I have is to keep on finding a way to do something. You may not be able, it may not, success may not come in the package as you want it to, but to just keep on finding what it is that um, you want to do and find the way to do it
1: and we can always find a way to do that. And Mm -hmm. especially if we don't give up, I think that's another thing that I would say too, is to tell people not to give up because life is what you make it. And Mm -hmm. we're all put on this earth. I believe for a purpose, my whole principle in life that I live by is we need to live on purpose and for a purpose. And you found purpose in what you what you went through and what you experienced in your life. And those experiences made you the person that you are today. And I think that is where the beauty comes from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree
1: 100%. Well, Michelle, this has been really an interesting discussion because, again, this is a discussion that most people don't like to have whenever mm-hmm. they hear of people who are suffering, and I, I hate to use that word suffering, um, experiencing a disability in their life. Whenever they're around people, they they don't like to talk about it. They think it's taboo, but really it's, it's not because it's a part of our world. Everyone has things in their life that may hold them back. But when they learn to turn those things that could have held them back into the thing that makes them succeed, then that's when we have a more beautiful life. So I've really enjoyed having you here. Before we close out today, if people wanted to reach out to you and maybe you could help them in what they're going through, whether it be with a friend or a family Mm -hmm. member or even themselves, how would they do that?
0: You can find me at my blog, Blog.
1: Michelle's mission.blog and that's pretty simple to find Michelle again this has been great uh, I ask all my guests this question uh, on every show and that is what does being purposely positive mean to you
0: sure uh being purposely positive to me means looking for the good in a situation and finding finding that to, to help me get through that
1: helping you get through life by looking Mm -hmm. at the good in every situation. And that just sounds like the beautiful story of your life. And it's great to see you here. And I wish this podcast was video sometimes because it's just (laughs) great to see your smiling face right there, sharing that with the world. So Michelle, this has been great today. And I really hope people will go out there and check out your blog and read some of the things on there so that they can learn and reach out to you because it's so important that we realize that we are created as a unique individual and each one of us again has a purpose for being out there so let's go out there and enjoy that purpose thanks again for being here michelle
0: oh thank you again tony
1: you've been listening to strive to thrive the purposely positive podcast brought to you by tonywcoaching.com where your greatest success is right in front of you and you may be out there trying to find purpose in your life trying to find the good in what you're doing i have a free resource it's an ebook strive to thrive you can download it free at tonywcoaching.com and start in the direction of a purposely positive life